Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233. Uh, we'll get to Louis DeBrusque momentarily. I'm going to tell you this uh, right now. Now. There we go. Uh, Chris Sheets is driving in on a Zamboni. Went up and back to Calgary, uh, raising uh, funds and product for the food bank. Uh, should be there in and around 2.30, so safe travels uh, for that group. They're doing some terrific things. Uh, into the Ashley Fine Floors text line, we got off a bit of a segue here talking a bit about football and uh, had some fun with guys uh, saying that their favorite team is the Cincinnati Bengals because mine was the Cowboys. And somebody asked me, Bob, uh, you brought up Roger Staubach, military service, strong competitive quarterback, class leader. Who presently equals his style uh, performance-wise and presence on the field? My response, the Edmonton Oilers are playing against them. Jonathan Taze, very concerned uh, uh, about social issues, strong leader. Uh, they call him Captain Serious, kind of a straight-laced reputation. I think Jonathan Taze, you know, three championships, Staubach, he won, he won the Super Bowl in 77. Um, that might be a comparable there. Is, uh, we are going to bring aboard on our River Creek Resort and Casino hotline, Louis DeBrus. Louis, how are you doing? I'm doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Uh, with that, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about uh, NFL football old school stuff. Or, well, I wouldn't call 70s old school. I call Jim Brown in the 60s a little bit more old school. Uh, Bobby Lane in the late 50s with the Detroit Lions with uh, your broadcast partner, Kevin Quinn's favorite team, uh, old school. But is Jonathan Taze considered, Louis, kind of, uh, is he kind of revered for his approach on uh, these days? It's a factor for pro athletes on social issues, on, on how he conducts himself, on, on how serious he takes uh, these sort of matters and how he cares about these sort of things? Absolutely. You know what? He, uh, we had him as a guest on After Hours, and I was really impressed with just how mature and, and you know, how much thought goes into what he does on a daily basis. You know, and, and when you look at him on the ice, he's no different. He's a professional. But, you know, off the ice, he was the guy that walked in in a suit to the game yesterday. And, you know, he's just all business. You know, he has that serious demeanor, but he's all business. But 
I know one thing for sure. He said he's trying to lighten up a little bit and, and be a little bit more outgoing in that regard, but he keeps things pretty close to the vest. You know, he's one of those guys that just, you know, wants to put the work first and make sure that people see what he does and have a good impression and a good reputation. And he does have that. He's a competitor to the bone, and you, you can't deny that. He's one of the one of the best in the National Hockey League at what he does, and that's why he's won three Stanley Cups. Louis DeBrusque is our Oilers now headliner, brought to you by Touchback Safety. Touchback remains open for training, taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. Louis, uh, you were in the house on uh, Tuesday night for the Oilers exhibition game against the Calgary Flames. Assess the Oilers' performance. Yeah, you know, it was great to be back in the building for sure. First and foremost, I think the, the National Hockey League has done a terrific job, and the Edmonton Hub looks terrific. Uh, and so does Toronto. I just think it's a it's a really unique situation, but given the circumstances, I think that what they've put together so far has looked amazing. And uh, it was great to be calling hockey again. I'm sure you felt the same way doing the game. It was just uh, it was great to be back and great to see the players on the ice and the commitment they've had. Um, I thought the Oilers came out really strong. I really do. I thought they, they came out and were looked really fast. They were quick. They were dominant. They were aggressive. For the first period, I thought they took their foot off the gas in the second period and allowed the Flames to get back into it. And I credit the Flames with elevating their game in that second period. And then I think in the third period, you know, when you have that lead, you have a tendency to hold on to it and you play possum a bit. And I saw that in a few of the exhibition games that I watched. And I think the Edmonton Oilers were guilty of that a bit too of knowing they had the lead and holding on to it. Um, the other thing that came out of the game for me for Edmonton was the fact that they they had great goaltending. Koskinen went in there and looked poised, calm, you know, flopped around a couple of times, had to be acrobatic and make a couple saves, got help from Philip Broberg on the one, taking that one off the wrist. But I thought he looked really calm, cool, and collective in there, which for, for me with Koskinen is a real good sign. And I didn't think... Mike Smith would be able to go in there and top him, but boy, oh boy, he went in there and let one goal by him that you could argue could have been goalie interference. Kachuk was great on that goal line, and maybe in a different situation there would have been a challenge there, but not an exhibition game. But then after that, he closed the door, and, and the Flames had their better chances, I believe, in the second and third when Smith was in the net, and he made some dynamite saves. The one on Bennett that he came across with the glove hand was absolutely spectacular. I mean, that's just so... That's a good sign for me, Bob. I think for Oilers fans looking at this, there's a big question. Who's going to start? Is it Koskin? Is it Smith? Um, Dave Tippett has said all along that he wants to get both goalies involved. He was true to that in the exhibition game, whereas some other teams you know, decide to have lengthier looks. Um, but you know what? I think you could go with either guy now, and that's kind of always been the game plan all year long for Edmonton is kind of spread that wealth out. When a guy's hot, let him run with it for a bit. If he struggles, the other guy has always stepped in there and seemed to give, give the Oilers a good game. And I, I think that's a, that's a win-win situation in the playoffs to have that confidence of both your goaltenders. So that's what I took from that game, and I think the Oilers got what they needed out of the game. Uh, we saw McDavid do what he does best. You know, I don't. I truly don't think he really put it into high gear throughout the whole game. He didn't really have to, but he just kind of was feeling the flow, getting into it, but given a couple opportunities, he had two great goals, and that's why he's the best player in the game. And Dreisaitl could have had six assists. You know, he had one in the game, but he set up a few other guys that easily could have been goals. Uh, it looked good. It was a good first outing, I think. All right, Louis DeBrusque, our Oilers now headliner today for touchback safety 1240 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott along with Louis with you on Oilers now. Louis, uh, it's funny. People said, is there a home ice advantage? Well, I have, a, I have a positional area where I think there's a home ice advantage, and that's goaltender. 
I, I think the fact that these two guys have played here, Smith and Koskinen, works to the Oilers' advantage. They're, and the biggest thing is lighting. And I think back to Steve Mason, who stunk and feared coming into Rexall Place back in the day. But the comfort level uh, for both Koskinen and Smith at Rogers Place, I think, could be a factor. Five-on-five uh, five play. The you Chicago Black... Sorry, Bob, I want to mention that, too. The other thing, too, and you looked at they started Cam Talbot with the Flames, and I think that played into that a bit, too. He had that run in 16-17 with the Oilers. You know, he set records for games played and wins in that building. And that's, you know, for him, he's had that success. Uh, that's maybe the reason why they started him. He was the better goalie down the stretch, too. So I do agree with you in the goalie position from that. You look up, the Raptors are the same. The same banners are in there, the same sight lines. Yes, it's a little different without having fans in the building, but there certainly is a comfortable feel for, for goaltenders when they're in between the pipes and they look up and they see a familiar surroundings. The Edmonton Oilers were outplayed for about 35 minutes of that game. Now, the Oilers had a 2 nothing lead at this stage. The Oilers came out like a house on fire out of the gate. Um, Calgary do- Calgary dominated play 5-on-5. Five five. The Oilers' transition game, to me, was disjointed with the exception of when Ethan Bear was on the ice. He was clearly the Oilers' best uh, defenseman for me. Any concerns there against the Chicago team that does have some depth at forward, Louie? 100%. And that's something that I didn't mention on the telecast. They said this is not the way they're going to want to play against the Chicago Blackhawks because the Blackhawks are a team that will feast off of those turnovers. And as we saw yesterday against the St. Louis Blues, they're a team that has some really skilled forwards and defense now that are jumping up into the play, that are actually activating and making it real dangerous off the rush. Um, they're a high-risk, high-reward team. They've gotten better over the course of the last half of the season, Chicago has. But for Edmonton, that puck management will be crucial. I know Dave Tippett has preached that all year long. Listen, there are going to be times in the game where you just need to defend. And I do believe defending is going to be a crucial part of this whole qualifying round and into the playoffs with that high-end skill maybe not being quite dialed in yet. The defending aspect of the game will be huge. And I, it, you just have to manage the puck ball. You have to make good decisions. You can't take high-risk plays. When you have the likes of Patrick Kane on the ice, you turn the puck over to him, he's going to make you pay. And they have players over there that have made a living off feasting off of turnovers and capitalizing on those chances. Now, on the flip side, Edmonton's the same. They have two of the most dynamic players or the most dynamic players in the game right now. When you turn it over to them, they can make you pay as well, too. So it's going to be an exciting series. But I do believe the the preaching from the coaching staff on both teams, respectively, is going to be, listen, don't feed that transitional game if you can. You can't feed into that because it'll punish you, and that's going to be the objective going into the first game on Saturday. All right. If you're Jeremy Colleton, Louis, the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, who do you put yeah. Jonathan Taze up against, McDavid or Dreisaitl's line? You know, it's really interesting. I, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who he does try and go up against him. You know, the guy for me, the, the wild card for Chicago, Kirby Doc has come into this camp and it looks like it's in his second year already, and he's a big, strong centerman. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see, you know, a player like him get a chance to go up against Dreisaitl and see if he can match up against him. I know it's a little early for him, but yeah. that might. I would suggest that Taves, I'm guessing, is going to go up against McDavid if they have the option, you know. But I think, again, 
in these situations, you have to understand, and that's what makes it so difficult when you have a one-two punch like McDavid and Dreisaitl. You're not going to get the matchups you want every time. It's just not going to happen, especially when you don't have last change. And it's going to be by committee. Every single line is going to have to be ready. And on the flip side, I believe Edmonton's going to have the same the same kind of struggles as far as making sure that they're ready against certain matchups as well. Um, but, yeah, if I had to guess, I, I mean, Jonathan Taze has been one of the best two-way Center, uh, centerman in the National Hockey League since he's been in the National Hockey League. He's excelled at that role. Um, you can put him up against anybody, and if I'm taking a guess, I'm going to say McDavid. Riley Sheehan skated today. Again, the practices for our listeners, they're, they're closed. They're not open. Uh, but Sheehan it's, is back at it, uh, which would be an indication that he's closing on a return. How important is he to the Edmonton Oilers lineup in the three-hole at center and the work that he does in the PK, Louie? Well, you know, you look at any successful team, any team that's had long runs and won championships, look no further than the depth at center position. And to have a solid third line, it can be so crucial. And again, it allows you to have more favorable matchups. If you have a comfort factor with a line, let's say Shan Archibald, who have played together pretty much the whole year, they have that great chemistry. And Athanasio is on the left-hand side right now in that line. I know Gaetan Haas was in there. I thought he did a nice job, to be honest with you. I thought he did exactly yep. what he's done all year long for the Oilers. He stepped in there. He seems to always be in the right place. But having that comfort, Dave Tibbetts seems to have a real comfort factor in his depth lines. It allows him to sometimes skip that matchup, weather a shift or two, and allow his top team, his top players, to go up against the line combination that he wants them to go up against. So it just gives you so many options. and. Uh, it's a vital role. I think it really is. You know, it's not spoken about enough um, just how important that depth through the middle is. And, you know, for Riley Shane, he's one of those big guys that can, can grind it out, plays a defensive style of game. It's very important to get in there and get up to speed. The Oilers need to get something out of uh, Andreas Athanasio, don't they, Louie? Like, at some point, he he needs to be a guy that crashes through it. And I mean, think back, Louie, all the way to the 1990 Stanley Cup championship for Edmonton, Peter Klima coming off the bench, and I'm not comparing the Oilers, you know, well, that said, they they were a bit of a surprise to win in 1990 because they no longer had Wayne Gretzky, but the point is you need unpredictable scores and you need guys that can contribute, and Athanasio might not play in the top six to start, but he still needs to pop up once in a while, doesn't he? Absolutely. You know, he's one of those guys that I've certainly circled on my sheet and, you know, didn't have the season that he wanted to have. No question about that. It was more of a struggle for him this year. But I look back to last year, and I you know, look back at the highlights of the goals that he scores. An incredible skater. Has has a burst of speed that's right up there in the top 5% of the league, no question. So he he can be a game-breaker, and you'll see flashes of that where he gets that puck and he just takes off and goes. And if he has that mindset and can gain that confidence back just to be that type of player, create those opportunities with your tenacity and speed, to have that down in your bottom six in your lineup column, I think is, is, is crucial. I really do. I think it's, it's a real advantage to have a player like him that can just take a puck and go with it the way that he can skate. And, um, in, a, in a game right now where there's going to be a little bit of sloppy play, there's going to be a toe pick from time to time or a guy that doesn't turn quick enough, um, having that speed can be such an advantage. And we've seen flashes of it throughout this training camp, Bob. We, we saw flashes of it in the exhibition game. Maybe not enough. I think he's going to need to do that a little bit more. But there's no question he has the capability of doing that. They're going to expect that from him. Louis, uh, you got a chance to see Philip Roberg. Uh, neither of us expect him to be in the Oilers starting six or even their starting seven. Uh, but he might be in the eight hole right now. What did you see the other night against Calgary? 
Well, number one, I think it was you know great to see him in the exhibition game, and that's a testament to him the way that he came in and had just a great camp, and that's what you look for from your young players. You every single year, you know, you're you're just hoping as a general manager, coaching staff, you want to see somebody come in and make your decisions really difficult. You want someone to come in and push that issue and have that internal competition. And that's exactly what he did. You know, that's exactly what he did. He opened up eyes. And listen, we knew he was a high prospect and he was an excellent skater. The thing for me and, you know, things that I saw in that exhibition game, he weathered a little bit of early nerves, I thought. But then after that, he made a couple of roles like just soft little plays when he was getting pressure on the four check, um, just to be able to make that quick little pass through coverage, didn't get rattled, didn't get discouraged, and was able to kind of weather some physical activity too. He's a big frame. He's six foot three, excellent skater. I think this kid, the ceiling is very high for him. But the way he was able to adjust in his first exhibition game, I thought was was excellent. And I thought that for the most part, I think they saw what they needed to see out of him. He's certainly a viable option if something happens to one of the six to play or if they want to make a change. There's no question I think they could throw Philip Broberg in there and have no problem with dressing him for a game. Louis, 30 seconds or less. I'm taking the Oilers in four over Chicago. What about you? <laughs> I think it's the Oilers series to lose. I really do. I think that you know throughout the season they showed that they can put sequences together. This is not going to be an easy series, though, and I've said this all along. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it goes to five at all, but I do believe it's the other series to lose. If they play the way they can play, they should win this series. I think they're deeper, stronger in the back end. It will come down to goaltending, I believe, in the series, and which one puts the best foot forward. Louis, great stuff. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. Take care. Louis DeBrusque was our Oilers now headliner for touchback safety. Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris, the 19th Roos Chris Open. It is Edmonton owned and operated. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. It is 12.50 in Edmonton at 1 o'clock today. Uh, we will have Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's live testimony in front of the House of Commons Finance Committee about the We Charity School. We'll step out. We'll get to our injury report for James H. Brown Associates and also hit on this day in Oilers history. You're listening to Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. Again, we'll send you off at 1 o'clock to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's live testimony in front of the House of Commons Finance Committee about the We Charity scandal into the Ashley Fine Floors text line. And uh, one of my favorites, Jason from Sangudo, says, Bob, here's Trudeau's testimony. Ah, um, ah, well, ah, um, ah, well, geez, I did it for Canada. Uh, well, I can relate to the, uh, um, uh, well, because uh, we've certainly had that happen on our show a couple times, too. Uh, it happens once in a while when you're alive. That's that's all there is to it. A uh, reminder that Oilers Now is brought to you daily by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. To the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown. Um uh, was an all-star safety for the Edmonton Eskimos, now known as the Edmonton Football Club, and uh, was a terrific player at the University of Alberta. Jim Brown uh, has had a, a history at the Edmonton Oil Kings as well. James H. Brown and Associates want you to stay safe. Uh, you can visit them at jameshbrown.com. 
Speaking of injuries, Brendan Escott, what are you bringing? Well, uh, Norris Trophy candidate John Carlson exited the game early last night for the Washington Capitals. Uh, did you say that he did skate this morning or did not? Did, did not skate today. Uh, they're hoping that he's on the ice tomorrow. It's fairly encouraged. The team is continuing to evaluate him. The Caps have him on an off day on Friday, and the hope is Carlson can return on the ice on Saturday as pure Todd Reardon, their head coach. In Toronto, Leafs forward Andreas Janssen joined the special teams portion of practice this morning. Morning. Remember, he had knee surgery back in February, did skate for the first time last week since that operation. Boston's Tuka Rask will start today's exhibition game against Columbus. He had a broken finger at one point in camp. Nick Ritchie not expected to dress for the Bees, but David Pasternak is a full go. Keep an eye on Nikolai Ehlers after he left uh, last night's exhibition game halfway through. Coach Paul Maurice did downplay it, but uh, it is believed that he's been nursing a lower body injury through camp as well. And uh, one more little bit of injury news. A shout-out to Tyler Michaels, Jack's son. He's on the IR for the next month. Uh, He broke his pinky finger uh, in baseball. And uh, all I can tell you is, Tyler, I've been there. I... uh, jammed one one time in a guy's cage when guys wore full cages uh, back in 1980 when I was uh, playing Bantam AA with the Strathcona Warriors. And the guy knew that my hand was caught in his cage and decided to shake his head a few times and ended up uh, popping uh, my pinky finger. It happens once in a while. To this day in Oilers history, and we're going to go back to 1998, back in the 630 Chad Studios. Here's Brendan Escott. Longtime Oilers rear guard Kevin Lowe announces his retirement from the NHL to assume an assistant coaching role on Ron Lowe's staff in Edmonton. He's remained with the team ever since, becoming the head coach the following year and then the general manager after Glenn Sather moved on in 2000. To this day, as we know, Lowe remains an executive with OEG. Uh, Shane goes, Bob, uh, you mentioned the Eskimo Football Club. Uh, they should go with the Edmonton Esquires. Get it, the Edmonton S. I, I don't see that happen. I just don't see that happening. Again, keep texting us uh, throughout the course of times, and uh, eventually we'll... Uh... <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh there you go. Uh, we'll get to it. Uh, we'll have a full show again for you tomorrow. Uh, we will have our previews. You're not going to want to miss it. Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels, uh, Brendan Escott, and myself with our playoff predictions. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for our friends at the River Cree Resort Casino. We're working on another guest as well. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports Night. Fluid show, Brendan, or what's cooking? Oh, I have it. It's not fluid. St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko and Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayov. Nice work. Good job, Reed. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's live testimony in front of the House of Commons Finance Committee about the We Charity scandal. Have a terrific Thursday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.